good afternoon and welcome to Lambda Weekly. I'm Dave Taffet here in the studio with, I, I almost said, just I'm looking at Aaron and said with Laurent Landis. I am not Laurent. No. <laughs> Although we do look alike. You do. Uh, let me start that over. I'm Dave Taffet here with the late Patty Fink, who was nice and early today. Yep. And well, five our, minutes. Uh, yeah, well. <laughs> five minutes in radio is a long time. That is a long time. You're right. Uh, and me. And the late Erin Moore, who did that? That's no. I was only late because I was with her. <laughs> I'd be here on time otherwise. <laughs> That she was ready to go yesterday, like yes, last night. Yes. <laughs> and when did you realize she was our guest today? About an hour ago. <laughs> <laughs> I went, oh, well, okay. That's, yep. Oh, okay, so we were planning the show, and uh, I had five minutes to do some planning, so I decided we'd start with Patty, abortion. Go. <laughs> Um, wow, it's... What's this button do? Since <laughs> <laughs> well, you put the quarter in. <laughs> um, I, I'm just, every day, just, just new levels of disgust. The latest of which is our... I knew there would be a latest of which. There is, well, besides Kansas. Well, the, the, the one that really... Kansas really is the latest galling moment of no humanity whatsoever is our criminal felon attorney general um, suing the Biden administration to stop to stop doctors treating women in when their lives are at risk in medical emergencies from performing abortions if it saves the woman's life he wants women to die in Texas well, That's what he's saying. He wants women to die. He would rather they, have control over women's bodies and see them die than not have control over them. Is there a, an exemption for those who pledge to vote for him? No. Apparently not. Um, well, and Patty, Patty heard somebody say this the other day, and I just, it just resonates with me so much. It's like, we want, we, we, our girls are good girls, and there will be exceptions for good girls. Their girls are bad girls, and there won't be exceptions for bad girls. In other words, if you're white, Christian, and well-off... And Republican, And apparently. Republican, there'll be an exception for you somehow. Either you can afford to go to another state, or there'll be a, you know, health of the mother exception under certain circumstances. But everybody else that we're trying to keep under our thumb, there's no exceptions whatsoever. And I said Kansas, and I didn't mean Kansas. It's Indiana, where the 10-year-old was raped. Ohio. She was raped in Ohio, denied services in Ohio, had to go to Indiana. Indiana, yeah, yeah. The New York Times had a story today that about at least a thousand girls, you, well, at least a thousand girls per year under the age of 15 seek abortions uh, and will not be able, who, who are in places where they will not be able to get an abortion and will not be able to, at the age of 15, travel by themselves to another state. Right. Right. Well, it's and they're insane. saying it was consensual sex. No, there is no consensual sex under the age of 18 or 16 or whatever your state says, which I think 16 is too young, but still, 10 years old, no. Just, just no. <laughs> you know, and if it happened to their child, they'd be out there with one of their God-given right guns, killing the BS, you know? Um, 
So, well, the woman this, this week that testified in front of Congress from the, um, I think that she calls herself the American New, Americans United for Life, um, uh, when asked point blank, do you think the, a 10-year-old girl should be forced to carry a baby to term, pregnancy to term? Um, she got tangled in herself and said, well, that's not an abortion. That wouldn't be an abortion because it's an exception. Therefore, it's not an abortion. We're like, that's, that's, that's where I, I brought up the, she wants to call it when bad girls do it, it's an abortion. Mm -hmm. When good girls do it, it's a medical procedure. Right. But I loved Eric Swalwell. He, he, he immediately went to the expert the medical physician, the doctor, sitting there and said, um, excuse me, doctor, so-and-so, you know, was this, did you hear some disinformation? And she said, yes, I did, just moments ago. <laughs> she said, abortion is a medical procedure. An abortion is a medical procedure. An abortion is a medical procedure, regardless of the age of the patient. Mm -hmm. It's a med it's it's in a medical procedure. I mean, this other woman just I, I don't even know where they go, what basement they go to to dream up this crap. I don't either, and I, and it extends beyond abortion. I mean, even with Uvalde still in the news, there's all these politicians bending themselves into pretzels to talk about you know it was God's plan, or the the chief of police I think was like saying, well, we can't possibly take away people's guns, so let's pray about this. And he did like a four-page letter about praying that our children stay safe next year. Well, no, why don't you actually do something about keeping our kids safe? The Daily Show did a piece on this, and they took statements that different people, that different Republicans and mm -hmm. NRA people were doing, and it all ended with but. We all want to do something, but. Right. Oh, it was awful, but. Yeah. And they went on and on, just one Republican after another and one per member of the NRA after another who were testifying but, uh, but. Or, or doing a news uh, conference or, or, or something like that. Uh, well, and but I'm, Well, and I'm sorry, if they can take away our constitutional right to an abortion, to health care, to medically necessary health care and even if it's not medically necessary health care I mean there was a woman who was denied a hysterectomy and needed hysterectomy her doctor denied her a hysterectomy because he said she might want to have children someday and it's not his decision it's not his decision and she was having significant pain and issues and needed her needed a hysterectomy and she was denied because because of potential children so we really have just become incubators well, that's how I've always thought of you, Aaron. Yeah, that's me all the way. Uh -huh. Yeah, so nurturing. Anyway, the you know, and, and we got a, we got into a discussion this weekend. Never thought of Patty that way, but it is how I think. Actually, I am I am really good with kids and pets. Just never really wanted my own. Just um, the, but not having them. Yeah, yeah. I always want to give them back. Um, the kids, not the pets. Um, anyway, we were at the Democratic. Texas Democratic Convention this weekend. Yeah, let's talk a little well, bit about that. Well, wait a minute. That. I'm getting there. There was, a, <laughs> there was a big discussion about some women were wearing Handmaid's Tales costumes, right? And some were saying, that's the wrong message. That says we're giving up, we're giving in, you know, this is our fate. And I was like, no, it's kind of cautionary. It, you know, if they want to do it, great, fine. But my attitude is, you know, we need... We need Wonder Woman and Xena, not Handmaid's Tales. You know, that was my first reaction, too, was we're, 
we're really living out Margaret Atwood's dystopia. Instead, now I've switched to, you know, the it's showing great restraint not to burn it all down kind of thing, you know, because, I mean, we have had rights taken away from us. 50% of this country no longer has say over what happens to them, and that is not right. You know, and if, if Trump and his Trumpsters and all the people he's appointed to all these courts want a revolution, well, they're, they're about to get one unless something really significantly happens. And the significantly happens is it gets codified legislatively. That's really the only thing, I think, and Beto O'Rourke and other Stacey Abrams and other people running for governors of these states that are passing these really horrific, horrific laws get elected. And if that doesn't happen... I think there's, there's either going to be a mass exodus from the United States or there's going to be some serious, serious street. I don't want to say violence, but, you know, it, it, it will get taken to the streets. So, sorry. Massive protests. You know, last See, week you thought she was going to rant. It's my turn. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, what, what, what occurred on, on Friday was... Um, t- David said, you know, I w- you would hope to get a word in edgewise. And, and my first thought was... I have, I have no problem. Yeah, I can do she edgewise. Can get, she can get a word in edgewise plenty of times. Yeah. But see, I never registered that you were talking about coming on the show. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> this Sunday. <laughs> I participated in this entire conversation with you Yes, all, you did. And it never That's registered. why I thought Patty knew you were the guest, because she was part of this conversation. <laughs> well, so did I, until I said, should we leave? And she says, oh, are you the guest? <laughs> <laughs> I thought she was fully aware of the conversation. We were sitting around a table. It was a table for about ten, mm-hmm. but there were six of us at the table. Yeah. And Aaron and I were talking across the table from each other. Patty is next to Aaron, and part of this conversation. Well, we even talked about Aaron can ride with Patty, and I said, "Yeah, I know, I know her." You know, and I mean, it was this whole big conversation. I didn't. Yep. Okay, they're talking about um, the representation of how abortion is presented. I was in New York last week. First big sign at LaGuardia Airport, big sign, mm-hmm. abortion is still legal in New York. Yes, thank you. I mean, big, big sign. It's the first thing that greets you when you come into New York. Mm-hmm. I thought that was interesting. It's just, it, it's really sad to me that we have to rely on democratic states and democratic governors and democratic legislatures to not pass horrific banning health care laws. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the fact that the Supreme Court left it up to the states in this instance, but they're not leaving it up to the states in things like, oh, I don't know, gun rights, <laughs> you know, um, says that we want you to do what we want you to do. It's not about an overarching political philosophy at all. It's about what will get us the win. You know, which philosophy do we choose today to get us the win? And if you're that morally malleable, you don't need to be in office. Mm-hmm. You just don't, period. You know, every time we mention something with gun rights, oh, Second Amendment, Second Amendment, First Amendment is free speech. There are limits on your free speech. Mm-hmm. Free speech involves some responsibility. Absolutely, it does. Well, some limits. There, well, there are things that we just don't say on the air mm-hmm. because 
there are limits to what you can say you on broadcast. Can't yell broadcast. fire in a crowded theater. Can't yell fire in a crowded theater. Right. Can't endanger. Can't say things to endanger other people's lives. Like we're going to march to the Capitol. <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yes. Yeah. You know, and uh, frankly, at this point, I think the Second Amendment is a. F it's a false, falsely interpreted right. Yes. It is meant to be a well-regulated militia so that no tyrant can ever take over the United States again. Well, guess what? We had a tyrant take over the United States. We have no well-regulated militia. That does, not in, that does not ensure an individual's right to own a gun of war. There are also limits to, to weapons that you can't own. Not anymore. You can't own a cannon. Tree can. How about a bazooka? You can. You can own a cannon. It just has to be a black powder cannon. Ah. Okay. There are limits, though. You can't own an anti-missile rocket. Correct. Because it's not called a gun. If they called it an anti-missile gun, I guess you could own it. Right. I mean, you know, there, there's logic and graphs and, and facts just don't ever play in these arenas. But there's a, there's a graph that shows gun violence in the United States. <laughs> significantly dropping after AR-15s were banned in the 90s and then significantly increasing after they were unbanned, you know, made legal again. Mm -hmm. Well, gee, I wonder what the cause and effect of that graph was, you know, duh. But, you know, some guy needs to make his member feel bigger, so he goes out and shoots up, shoots up some toilets in the woods with an AR-15. That does not outweigh a child's right to be safe in a schoolroom. It just does not to me. You know, what is the practical use of this? And to me, you know, if you want to extend the conversation further, I'm against militarizing our police forces because I think that absolutely encourages them to use excessive force. They, do, they will not default to, to the least aggressive solution. They will default to the most aggressive solution. And if the most aggressive solution in their hands is military equipment, guess what they're going to use? You know? We saw that during the, the Black Lives Matter protests. Absolutely. When they were pulling, and even as far back as, as Ferguson, where we had armored vehicles coming down a, the main street of a small town in, in the United States. That's, an, that's insane. I mean, if you can treat people with dignity and talk to them and defuse the situation, that's the way to go. But that's not the way so many default, so many in law enforcement default to now because they have other means. You know, they have body armor. They have full riot shields. They have uh, pepper uh, ball guns. They have all this stuff, and they have all this stuff because they've been militarized by our decommissioned military equipment that we don't know what to do with. Well, we can't just throw it away. Sure we can. Okay, so there have been uh, hearings for the last couple of weeks on what happened in Uvalde. Mm -hmm. They were militarized. Exactly. But they didn't use it. They didn't do anything. They didn't do anything is, is what happened. Right. Well, there, there was legitimately some confusion about chain of leadership. You know why? Which should not have happened. Because the radios didn't work, and for seven years, Abbott was, was promising money to get r radio systems to work uh, between those agencies. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they knew about it for seven years. And their training... They did nothing. Their training for active shooters was to go... Ever since Columbine, it's been to go in immediately. I've taken... 
don't know if I should say this out loud on the air, but as part of the county, we're required to take certain training, safety trainings, and mm -hmm. one of them is yearly I have to take an active shooter training mm -hmm. because I work in government and, you know, I'm with elected officials. To teach you to be the active shooter or to? No. To, to defend against. It's Aaron. I just, I didn't know. It's okay. <laughs> But don't test she me. She has many capes. I was going to say, don't <laughs> test me. At any rate, um, and the first thing they always talk about is before Columbine, they would try to secure the perimeter and, you know, kill, wrong choice of words, waste a lot of time uh, setting up a, a beachhead and all this other military stuff. But after Columbine, every law enforcement officer is taught you go in you go in you go in you do not wait if kids are under attack you do not wait period any active shooter situation is always less lives lost if you go in immediately and they had that training and didn't do it because they were scared they were scared they might get shot well duh who do you think's getting shot but all you need when you have a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun Shh, don't get me started on that I, how can you tell the difference david uh, because wear. one wears black, black and one, yeah, exactly. No, just answer me. How can you tell the difference between a good guy with a gun and a bad guy with a gun? You can't. Exactly. <laughs> I think any, any so on the teachers, any guy with an AR-15 in a school is the bad guy. Well, and okay, so arm the teachers. Why didn't we have the discussion about arming the cashiers after Buffalo? Arm yeah. the cashiers. Wrong. No, we didn't have that discussion because wrong neighborhood and wrong color. Uh, yes. Uh, Absolutely. Well, we don't have that discussion when it's any other kind of shooting, but arm the teachers. And I'm thinking back on... I'm counting like, on you to protect my kids. Well, why do we have a police force? I'm thinking back <laughs> on my first grade teacher, Mrs. Puzio, who was about 250 pounds. She was about 65 years old. And I could just see her with a semi-automatic weapon. This is it's and insane. I'm, and I'm sorry. There were people there with guns. <laughs> what were they doing? <laughs> you know, it's not like... Does, and that's what I wanted to get to. Doesn't this completely disprove that stupid thing that all you need is a good guy with a gun? That, that's, yeah. Yeah, I think that's, that's a pretty um, pardon the pun dead analogy. Well, I mean, it's right up there with thoughts and prayers and fantasy land. You know, I mean, it doesn't do anything for anybody. It's just something to say. You know, sorry for your loss, thoughts and prayers, and a good guy with a gun. So getting back <laughs> to your active shooter training. Yes. Um, you're taught that if somebody is armed, they go in. Law enforcement goes in. Yes. Law enforcement law goes enforcement in. Law enforcement goes in. No one else goes in because you confuse law enforcement. How do you tell a good guy with a gun from a bad guy with a gun? If you have a gun in that situation, I don't care if you're a teacher or anybody else, you're getting shot if law enforcement goes in. So what are you taught to do as the employee, as the county employee? Uh, well, that it, you can say on the air. Oh, no, I can say all of it. I mean, the, the basic thing is the run-hide fight, but there's a lot more emphasis on fight now. There used to not be. Um, get away if you can, and then... Hide is the last resort because they can find you if you hide. You know, if you get behind a desk or a door or something. So I guess these big half a room size lockers that they want to put in classrooms now that are bulletproof and metal and... Oh, expected. and bulletproof backpacks now, too. Ah, uh, lovely. Yeah, but, the, but there's a there, when I first started taking these classes about seven years ago, there was a lot more emphasis on hiding. 
And now there's a lot more emphasis on fighting. It's like if two or more of you can take down the guy, take down the guy. You know? You're listening to Lambda Weekly on 89.3 KNON-FM. I'm Dave Taffet here in the studio with the late Patty Fink, and our guest is Aaron Moore. We'll be back with more Lambda Weekly right after this. Hi, this is Candy Markham, and I listen to Lambda Weekly on 89.3 KNON-FM. Listen. And this is Lambda Weekly. I'm Dave Taffet here in the studio with the late Patty Fink, and our guest is Aaron Moore. Um, I mean, we're getting pretty serious here about active shooters and Uvalde and shooting and all that, but it's not unheard of in our community either. I mean, we had the Pulse nightclub shooting not that very long ago. Well, and we had the threat up in, was it Boise? Yes, in the Idaho, Pride Parade, yeah. Just a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, well, yeah. About a month ago. Yeah, about a month ago. Uh, you know, where they showed up and got stopped, thank God. But, yeah, yeah. I mean, so, you know, it's not... It's not Please don't think I'm just rambling and ranting on this stuff, although I kind of am. Um, we're in danger as an other, as, you know, LGBTQI mm -hmm. people, as, as women, as another race, if you are. We're in danger now. I really firmly believe that, that, that people that think that we are other are empowered to hurt us. I mean, not just be against us or talk in church about how we're going to hell. I mean to actively hurt us. When a Supreme Court justice singles out two cases of civil rights for the LGBT community as things he would like to see revisited. Exactly. Uh, he's doing that in his position, and other people who are in other positions feel free to act accordingly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, although I have to say, <laughs> oh, I hate this, but if you think like a racist, you're not going to listen to Charles, <laughs> to Clarence Thomas, you know, to Justice Clarence Thomas. If you think I like, think the message gets to them. Yeah, maybe. If you think like Trump, or like someone who follows Trump thinks, <laughs> the President of the United States giving you the okay to be violent which he did not just on January 6th. He did all through his presidency. Which yeah, a number of people cited. Rallies. Yeah. You know, then then you are in you are now empowered to to not withhold your 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 actions, your feelings, your anything. You you can just do what you want to do because you are now sanctioned by the president uh, the former guys they say, but at the time the president of the United States. And we have a president now who God love him is trying to be logical and sensical and do things the correct way well that that world is no more you know he needs to start being way more aggressive about executive orders and restoring rights that were taken away however temporarily until we can get more permanent solutions you know um I think he, you know, I'm, I'm so glad I don't wake up every morning in a state of dread anymore, but there needs to be more action. We can't just stay in this stasis of, you know, well, you know, the good guys, as you say, are in charge now so you can relax. Well, no, not when we have a Supreme Court overturning basic fundamental rights, not when we still have a majority or a minority uh, running the House of Representatives, you know, or the Senate even. You know, there, there, 
they're holding any progress hostage, so we need to use whatever mechanisms we have. And to me, that's, you know, that's the bully pulpit of the presidency, and that's executive orders. And it's getting rid of the filibuster. And get, well, that's not going to happen, thanks to turncoat cinema and mansion. But I am so, I, I regret supporting her so much. <laughs> I cannot tell you how much I regret supporting her. You know, we do have a rule at the station that we don't endorse, but that's an unendorsement. That it is. is. Yes. It's an unendorsement. Well, y'all aren't endorsing anybody. But when she, when she was running for her state seats, for state house and then state senate, total support. Yay. You know, a, a bisexual woman getting stuff done in a Republican state. You go, girl. Then as soon as she got to Washington, she started just power brokering and now she's just flat out an embarrassment so well I remember countless times she came to Dallas for money I have her cell phone number and or had you know and, and raising money from us and we gladly gladly supported her with um, you know vocally and with our money and um, I thought she was fine when she went to the house but Boy, when she went to the Senate, it was—it's just been intolerable. She's, she's not affecting just the Biden administration's agenda. She's affecting the, the progress of the country. Well, you she know? started acting out in the House too. Remember when she opposed <laughs> Pelosi for Speaker? True, but I right. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's, but it's, like, it didn't go anywhere. Like though. dramatically yeah. opposed Pelosi for Speaker, standing but, up but and giving. There, there's no. Uh, filibuster in the house no i know i know that she could have started so mm. we didn't notice it then it was like oh <laughs> we didn't notice it then. well it was it was it was gonna go nowhere at any it was rate. a blip yeah yeah at any rate she but you know it was the me 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 and now i think she's still me 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 mm -hmm. so okay so this weekend is the democratic the texas democratic convention the state convention yeah um I didn't notice any differences between the way Log Cabin uh, was treated by the Republicans and Stonewall by the Democrats, or, or, or was there a difference? Well, <laughs> the fact that the most sold Beto shirt at the convention was the rainbow one that I happen to be wearing right now. Um, Not that she's endorsing. Right. Y'all right. can't endorse. Shirt. I can. Not on the air. We uh, can't. Fine. Okay. I'm not endorsing the guy whose shirt I'm wearing. Because um, it has a lovely rainbow on it. It does have a lovely <laughs> rainbow on it. Um, <laughs> and we had a booth, and we had five events during the convention, and we were prominently featured. Uh, what were some of the events? Speakers. There was a... There was North, the caucus, and that's... Well, uh, well, there, well, sorry, before that, there was a North Texas meet and greet where we could all get together, if you lived in the area, to meet each other. And then there was the, the Stonewall Democrats caucus, which had the biggest room at the convention for caucuses. Um, there, was, there were two events that in the evening, one Thursday night and one Friday night. Um, then I believe there was another get-together Saturday night. Sat well, Saturday afternoon, convention. yeah. But Friday night was uh, the House Democratic uh, uh, Coordinated Campaign, HDCC. What does that stand for? Anyway, but it was Julie Johnson and Jessica Gonzalez who were co-chairs of the convention. So that was one thing right there. Uh, okay, so I was wondering. They go lesbians. Did they, the lesbians Did they choose Stonewall. all of the speakers? Because I know uh, Venton, who was on the show last week, he was one of the speakers. Julie and uh, Jess were the uh, co-chairs co of the convention. Mm -hmm. EBJ was an honorary received the EBJ award. Right. 
Yes. Um, so did it have to do with their Lambda Weekly status? Is that how they I'm chose people? I'm sure it people? did. You know, you guys gave them gravitas when they had none. Yeah. So yeah. thanks for the media exposure. You're welcome. Yeah. Um, so, so, but, so there was that. And then, uh, and then they had the event Thursday night. And then Friday night there was a Stonewall Democrats only. Well, it wasn't only. Anybody could attend. But uh, fundraiser party which was very well attended. And then yesterday there was a gavel down uh, happy hour kind of thing for LGBTQ <coughs> community. So if you came to town and were, were a member of the LGBTQ plus community, there was something to do every night. Um, Basically it was the LGBT community who ran the convention. Yeah. Yeah. You Pretty can much. say that. And Glenn Maxey got an award yesterday. Oh, what was his award for? It was for um, his service to the Texas Democratic Party. Uh, Glenn Maxey is now the, what is his title now with the no, party? Nothing. He's uh, retired. Retired. Ex, <laughs> ex officio everything. Yeah, yeah. But, but he's been working with the party for a number of years. For he, so long, yeah. He so, was the first openly gay elected official in Texas. So I, I was chatting with him. Um, on Friday, and um, he was uh, talking, telling this long story about Jolanda Jones, who's an out black lesbian from. We Houston. need to get her on the show. We do, and she, she's she's a wonderful speaker. She, she's fantastic, and uh, she's she's a sitting member of the legislature right now because she won a special election. Special when, election, right? When Garnett Coleman resigned his office due to his his health reasons. And so, but she's obviously up again in November to keep that seat for the next two years. Um, and um, <laughs> at one point, Glenn Maxey said, you know what? The Texas House is not ready for Jolanda Jones. <laughs> they are not prepared and they are not ready. And then we talked for a little bit and who came running up to him? <laughs> you know, we, we looked down the... The, the walkway, and here she comes. Um, so that was that was perfect timing. She must have been known we were talking about her. Well, we've and had, I, I don't think they are ready. I don't think they are ready. No. Yeah, she was a she was a sitting Houston city council person, and then ran for the state ledge. And she's she's a force. She's definitely a force. Um, okay. So by Julie Johnson's uh, uh, math, we have six members of the legislature, six LGBT members of the legislature. Mm -hmm. Uh, we had five. Jolanda won a special election. We're going to lose one because Celia Israel is not running for re-election. She's right. running for mayor of Austin. Correct. Um, we and, we have, and we're going to have three who are pretty much guaranteed election, yes. assuming the other five are re-elected and two or three of them are unopposed. Correct. Right. We had six um, <laughs> seated, we have six for, the seated. Last, for the last session. Then we had seven at seven when Jolanda won the seat, but the collection... No, we had five seated. No, 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 we had six. Who was the sixth? Ann Johnson. Oh, we have Ann Johnson. Oh, and okay. So, um, so my, my uh, math is off. Right, so we had six seated for the full um, regular session and all of the special <laughs> sessions. So now we have seven. Now we have seven. We're and losing then, one. And we're losing one. We're going to gain two. Uh-huh. Three. So we're going to gain three. Well, We're going to gain... Jolanda. Jolanda we already gained. Yeah. Yeah, but she's got to keep her seat. Yeah, but in the count, she's, she's already counted for. So two additional ones. So two, two additional ones that are pretty much guaranteed, uh, like then as long as he votes... He's elected. As well, long as he votes for himself, he'll be fine. He's, he's got an opponent. He's got a libertarian opponent. Yeah. That's true. 
I'm worried about a libertarian. Yeah, they'll get 100 votes or so. Right. Yeah. So as long as he votes along with a few of his, of his friends, friends yes. um, <laughs> he'll be elected. And there's one in Houston, I think. Beaumont. Is it Beaumont? Yes, Beaumont. That's pretty much. But by my count, there are three or four additional people running for the legislature who are in contested races. Yes. One of them in Colleyville. And I spoke to her. She's going to be a guest on the show. Oh, good. Yeah. Good. So yeah. So I mean, for for all the for all the removal of our rights and hatred and vitriol coming down from the Texas legislature, I think we're the state with the most openly out elected officials. If not, we will be. Yeah. So I'm, I think maybe in the legislature may have more. Oh well, that's true. But California has more any anyway. Yeah. More people. They more. have more seats in their legislature. So. Yes. Yeah. So, so, yeah. So, I mean, but we're holding our own. But I just wish it would make more of a difference. I mean. It will make a difference. I mean, the, well, but the voice is nice to have, and it's hard to hate someone you know, and all the things we've always told ourselves in our activism, but they're still going to vote the way they're going to vote. You know? I just. Yeah. It's hard to hate somebody you know, but. Aaron, we've known each other for years. Are you saying you hate me, David? <laughs> Not me. I have nothing but love for you. Oh, okay. Even though you are a COVID denier. Uh, I think it's more like a pneumonia denier. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say David's had cooties. Yes. <laughs> just because I'm doing this show through lozenges. Cough drops. There's a, there's a waft of eucalyptus in the air. Yes, there is, and it's time for another one. Uh, <laughs> so we have primaries in this state, and the primaries determine who's going to run. Why do we have the convention? Oh, there's a lot going on at the convention. There's a lot of party business. Now, what a lot of people, I think, forget is that the convention, the statewide convention, happens every two years. Mm -hmm. A lot of people only think about it during the presidential year because that's when delegates advance from local to state to national representation of, the, of our state at the, at the Democratic National Convention. And people are elected at that convention to right. go to the national convention. Right. Correct, and represent Texas. And it doesn't happen in the two years in between. Um, but um, other things happen. We have a lot of party business. The officers of the party are up for re-election. Yeah, um, everybody gets, you know, the chair, the vice chair, all the all the um, positions. All the county chairs. Um, no, no, county chairs are a different deal. Yeah, county chairs are separate. County chairs are on a ballot. They're actually elected in mm -hmm. the primary. Yes, but um, but like we just re re-elected Gilberto Hinojosa to be the state party chair. Um, and it was contested. It was pretty hotly contested. There were two other great candidates, Carole Robinson, who's an African-American male. From Houston. From Houston. And Kim Olson, who ran for, for a couple of offices these past two, few elections. Um, both thought they had new ideas, and they do have new ideas to take the party in a different direction, but ultimately Gilberto won. Uh, but there's two uh, people from Dallas that are in statewide leadership now. One is uh, Shay Cathy, who works with uh, County Clay. Judge Clay Jenkins. And she was the, uh, the State Democratic Executive Committee person for uh, SD23. And she's now moving up to be the vice chair for the, the party for the state. Mm -hmm. And then Kendall Scudder was elected as the vice chair for finance. So we have two people 
from Dallas who are going to be in statewide leadership, which is a good thing. And Kendall was a guest on our show when yeah. he was running yes. for state senate. Yeah. Yes. And Raised then, by two moms. Yes. In East Texas. Yeah. He said he wants his own flag as the child of lesbian parents, and I said, "Well, make one." <laughs> so. The reason we have a, a Dallas city of Dallas pride flag is that. Somebody yep. made one. Tracy made it. Exactly. So, and, um, and I and we have failed to mention all of the all of the gayness and queerness and transness at the convention. Um, the, our very own uh, chair of the Dallas County Democratic Party. Mm -hmm. Yes. Christy Noble is is an, out an very out, out and out lesbian. Yes. And spoke at the convention. Um, she was all over the place. Yeah, um, and I think a lot of that is, you know, we've been active in politics. Our community has been active in politics for a long time to try and get rights for our community. Well, that has since translated into just being active in the party. You know, we, we all, it, so we're coming up through the ranks and taking over positions of leadership um, statewide down to, you know, local senatorial districts. Um, but, yeah, the party chair, the county party chair of the second a, largest county in Texas is a lesbian, so mm -hmm. that's pretty And awesome. an alum of this very show. Of this show. See, it is the show. <laughs> we are propelling stars forward. So <laughs> <laughs> That's just us doing our job. But, you know, it, it's very heartening to me that within our party that that's no longer an issue. It used to be. Right. I would imagine that some of them who spoke didn't even mention it no. because it had nothing to do with anything. Right. But it, when I was active in the party 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 20 years ago. Me more active. 40 uh, years ago. More active. Yeah. When I was on the years ago. State Democratic Executive Committee and president of several statewide LGBTQ organizations, uh, I was very active in the State Democratic Party. It, it was more of an issue, it, not with the urban counties, but with the rural counties. They had a big problem with it. Um, I would have to have the same conversations at the time that I would have with, you know, Republicans that I'd have with the rural Democrats. You mm -hmm. know, it wasn't a given, and now it kind of is, that we will be, that we are, we're not only at the table, we're kind of running things. So, Unlike um, the other party where for, what is this, the 28th year, the that they've had, not, not been able to have a table. They were allowed to have a table at one point. But they, they've sued, like, several times in the past. I know over in it's Tarrant like, County, when it was going to be in Tarrant County, they were they had to sue, and, and they lost that. And they lost. But there was one or two conventions where they were allowed. A long time ago. Yeah, and now they're back to no we table. Can, we can talk a little bit about that when we get back, too. We need to take a break. You're listening to Lambda Weekly on 89.3 KNON-FM. I'm Dave Taffet here in the studio with the late Patty Fink. Our guest is Aaron Moore, and we'll be back with Moore right after this. Hi, this is Patty Fink, and you're listening to Lambda Weekly on 89.3 KNON-FM. And this is Lambda Weekly on 89.3 KNON-FM. Yep. Uh, you know, last week I took off um, for the first time in I don't know how many years. Forever. Long yeah. Time, yeah. So I went up to New York to see the Turtle Creek Chorale perform at Carnegie Hall. They got a standing ovation as they were coming on stage. Oh, wow. Nice. The, the chorale got multiple standing ovations. Denise Lee got a, her own standing ovation. Awesome. She's fantastic. Oh, she. you know how good she normally is? Mm -hmm. In Carnegie Hall, she was good. Well, I, I mean, she was just 
unbelievable. The program powerful. was pretty moving too. From it was a very moving program. It was about the Tulsa race massacre, race, race riot. Yeah. Um, about 30 minutes of the program was that, but other songs were built around it. Um, has, has the chorale ever performed at Carnegie Hall? Yeah, before? they did. I think sing for the cure there. That's what I was wondering. About 20 years ago. Yeah, with Tim Selig, right? Yeah, yeah. So this was uh, Sean's first time conducting the chorale up there. So, and you know, he he made sure everybody knew just how nervous he was. He yep. said, "Yep, we're in Carnegie Hall. I'm not at all nervous. It's just another room." <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, he, he he was good though. It didn't come across like he was nervous. He he had control of uh, of his stage. Congratulations so he, to the chorale. That's quite an achievement. Oh, they were wonderful. Yeah. They were wonderful. Yeah. Um, and then I went sailing. One of my cousins sort and. Of. No, not sort of. I was moving that sail and the, the ropes, the doing mast and all that. yeah, well, or whatever it is that you do to it. Um, but How big was the boat? Thirty foot. Oh, decent size. The thirty size, foot yeah. sailboat that he just got. Yeah. Have you ever sailed before? Yes, his sister uh, has a sailboat. She's she's the real master sailor in that family. That didn't answer my question. Have you ever sailed before? Uh, with her. Okay. <laughs> yeah, with her. Okay. So, not my first time out on a boat, but this was first time I sailed. She lives up the Hudson, which gets some good waves, even as far north as she is. Um, but uh, it, it was calm, but we were out on the Sound, on the Long Island Sound. So, okay. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. So, did they did they comment on at all on your <laughs> Texas twang? I lose it when I go to New York. I bet you do. <laughs> now, when I'm specifically in Yonkers, which I'm going to be later this year for my high school reunion, um, that's when it sticks. Because in Yonkers, we have our own yeah. accent, which is a little bit different than even just a couple of miles away in the Bronx. <laughs> More nasally? A little bit. Yeah. And, yeah, and but I'll come home and I'll be like, like it gets all renewed up and charged up again, and it'll last, last what, for a another while. couple of years. My 40th was this weekend, so. Did you go? No, I was at the Oh, you were at the conventional yeah. weekend, right. Yeah. My 40th was two years ago, and it didn't happen. I know, I know. She got COVID. Co she got COVIDed. It got denied by COVID. Yeah, my, this is my 50th that's coming up. Yeah. <gasps> really? Wow. Overdue because of COVID. COVID, yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I, I... Teresa, my boss, asked me a good question. She said, so if the convention wasn't going on, would you have gone? And I had to think about it, and I don't think I would have. I don't think so. Do you know, we had a great time at our 40th. Mm -hmm. All that high school stuff oh, yeah, it's gone. was gone. was gone. And everybody spoke to everybody. And one of the things that was really sweet was we had some of our teachers who attended. But see, yours awesome. is in New York. Was, Mine is in Slidell, Louisiana. <laughs> Recently voted one of the most conservative cities in the United States. <laughs> so I'm like... <laughs> and mine's, mine's not even in the country. No, and I'm like, I'm not even sure I liked you people then, you know, much less now. But <laughs> was mine was a lot of fun, so I'm, I am planning on going again. I don't, did you come out? You came out to... Your group at the the one we attended. Which oh, was I like, was out before then, but yeah, I, I brought Patty to my twentieth. So um, we. And I came out. She charmed everybody. She could talk to a brick wall. 
She usually does. Yeah. Uh, so, but it was good. I mean, it was good. It was good. That was okay. It was the fact that I was a Democrat that wasn't okay. <laughs> Be gay. I just couldn't be a Democrat. So, so when I went to my 10th, was it my? I guess it was my 20th. Um, was the first one we had, and uh, came out to you know these women that I had had lived with, and we was a boarding school, and and um, and they looked at me like, yeah, tell us something we didn't know. And I'm like, well, crap. <laughs> my high school years, and they all knew. I just didn't come out. Because you didn't know. Angst. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah. I've seen, I've seen pictures of you in high school. I would have known. <laughs> okay, so do you know what the most surprising part of my trip to New York was? What? LaGuardia. Is oh, it, that it's pretty now? It's gorgeous. Yeah. It's efficient. Yeah. Do you know how long it took me to get through security? No. It's midday on a business week. Five minutes. Yeah. Wow. A and every flight was packed. This is Dave. It wasn't yeah. like this was low. It was still under construction last time I was there. Well, it that is still under construction, nasty. but the terminal that I was in was completed. Yeah. No, we were, we were like leaning up against press board and plastic sheeting. Yeah, yeah no, this is amazing that yeah. they took probably the worst airport in the country. And, and that everyone dreads. Yeah. Everyone dreads LGA. Oh, not no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Atlanta's worse, but yeah. Um, so anyway, okay. So can I get back to my story about the log cabin Republicans? Sure. Okay. So you know, Pride Month was June, and Commissioner's Court did a Pride Month resolution for like we normally do, and we switched. We used to switch off between Commissioner Teresa Daniel and Commissioner Elba Garcia, both of whom are strong allies for the community and both of whom had a little piece of the Oakland area. Well, Teresa doesn't anymore after redistricting, but we did it again this year. She does have the only openly out chief of staff member. Um, but, um, Who's that? Hello. Hello. Um, so. Oh, we're talking about Aaron. I had no idea you were going to be anyway, our guest today. It would come back around anyway. Anyway, we had a we had a graph in there speaking out against the the then newly overturned Roe v. Wade Dobbs decision. Uh, or actually, it hadn't even been overturned yet. It was just the leaked draft. And said something about. Uh, you know, and, and they're coming after our community next, and everybody needs to be aware, and blah, blah, blah. Well, one court member decided to vote against it, saying that in his every after-court video that I guess you, have, you can't be a conservative and be gay. You know, and so, so he had invited two members of Log Cabin to come speak during the resolution because you can't be conservative and be gay, and he was inviting them to show that you can't be, you know, that you can be conservative and be gay. And then all this stuff came out about the log cabin Republicans being denied a booth at the at the Texas Republican Convention. And I was I just circled it. <laughs> I kind of said, "Huh, not so theoretical now, is it, Commissioner?" <laughs> well, so, that's why. Did he have an answer for that, or no? He, I mean, he's a good. He's, he's he seems like a nice person. He's actually a good guy, and he is very good on our issues to a point. Um, I think, you know, he understands it, but it, um, it, when, we're, when we're worried about our rights, it's not frivolous, I guess was my point, you know, mm -hmm. so. Well, and having anecdotally, you know, two log cabin Republicans coming to court and saying they're fine. Well, there were was, two white men, of course. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah, so, yeah, 
it's yeah. it's that sectional mm-hmm. compartmentalism. It's like I'm fine. Everybody else should be fine. Well, I had a conversation it's like with, with your New York stuff. <laughs> you grew up in New York, so everybody else should have grown up in New York. <laughs> well, I had this conversation with somebody who was do. basically saying that um, if if a gay guy who's a Republican can't get a date, that that's discrimination, it's viewpoint discrimination. I'm like, no, that's that's messed up. That thinking thinking that way, that's really messed up. That's so entitlement you want, is what that is. So yeah, it's totally entitlement, it's totally privilege. Um, to think, to think that, let's say a person was raised in East Texas, in a very religious home, or somewhere else in 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 the state, and got kicked out of their home when they were 16, um, no longer attends church because it's too traumatizing, um, maybe experienced a hate crime, um, and they're supposed to turn to um, a party that says that we are an abnormal lifestyle choice and perverts mm-hmm. and deviants mm-hmm. and pick something. This is a, a, a political party that you're supposed to seek out and accept somebody who supports that party uh, in, in fully and date them to potentially be your life partner so that you can, I mean, like, this is like so the chickens, with, chickens so dealing with Colonel Sanders, you know, like cheering for Colonel Sanders. And I'm like, that makes no sense. And you're obviously so detached from the gay experience and what it means to be gay that you can't see that? Yeah, let you me can't sign possibly up. possibly see how damaging that is? Let me sign up to deal with your internalized homophobia. Where do I sign? Exactly. Yeah. I hate myself. Because <laughs> yeah. that's what they're, that's what they're yeah. saying. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I hate myself. So. And I think you should hate yourself, too. At don't, any don't rate, me. <laughs> my point is, at this point, there, there really is very little middle. I mean, when I first started in activism, I was a board member of the Human Rights Campaign, which is a bipartisan organization. And at the time, there was actually centrist, moderate, level-headed, socially liberal, fiscally conservative members of the Republican Party. There's not anymore. They've all been driven out or have switched to the more radical way of thinking just to belong and to get anything done in their own party. So, I mean, there really is tribalism now. When Liz Cheney is the extreme left of the Republican Party. Yeah, yeah no something kidding. really, really it, wrong. There's something <laughs> wrong. And, and I'm not objecting to anything that she's been saying or how she's been conducting uh, the, the January 6th uh, investigation. She's, I think she's done a fabulous job. And... Uh, Somebody asked me if I had... She's just not extreme left. Right. Right, right. Well, she's still ex- she's still pretty... She's very conservative. She's, she voted 96% with of the Trump. time with Trump. I mean, she's. She, I admire what she's doing from a constitutional basis, but she, she ain't no liberal, you know, right. and she ain't no moderate. Right. She's, but I respect her. I, I respect what she's doing. I don't know that I respect her. Well, I do respect that she rolled back her... Um, sort of rabid objection to marriage equality, mm. and it was her sister who convinced her. Yeah, um, Mary Jane. Mary, um, that she ought to change her mind, and she did. Yeah. So I applaud anyone who has been on that, in the dark side on our issues, and come around. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I mean, it's just it's there's not, you can't play the middle anymore. I mean, you may think that way. 
but you can't you can't play the middle anymore. You ha it's time to if we're going to have sides, it's time to choose a side. You know, and I don't I don't agree with that mentality, but frankly, it was the Republican Party that forced it. And it's part of the Democrats' weakness that we're still playing like there's middle negotiation and and cooperation. Right. What's sad was that somebody like uh, uh, Harriet Earhart was on our show 20 years ago and said, you know the best legislation we ever came up with? It was when the Democrats and Republicans sat down with each other and really listened to each other. We came up with legislation that helped more people. It's, it's not, and, and it's not like that anymore. The Democrats are so wistful for that again, you know, that we're the first to offer compromise and what we wind up doing is looking weak to the other side. You know, if we have control of the House, which we do, if we have control of the Senate, which we sort of do, we have control of the presidency, we need to be bludgeoning, and we're not. Now, you know, we're, we're still trying to play nice and play both sides of the aisle and go back to Barack Obama's 2008, you know, it's not red states or blue states, it's the United States. And that's just not the case anymore. Not when armed domestic terrorists try and overthrow a free election. That ship sailed. <laughs> you know, we're not, there's not a lot of room for compromise So there. do you think that these uh, hearings that we're having in Washington are going to make a difference? Yes. I think they already are. Yeah, I do. Do you think it's convincing people? I, I think when people um, watch them with an open mind and understand that this is an evidentiary process and that 99% of the people testifying and who have been deposed are Republicans and Trump Republicans mm -hmm. um, that 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 um, that that truth and those facts may sink in and I think many many people who consider themselves moderates and not necessarily tethered to either party um, um, for the long haul are listening um, and it's certainly moving the needle among independents well and I also think that I think it's very face saving for Republicans that want an out. You know, they can say, oh, there were two groups. There was the sane group and the crazy group, and he had a choice. He could have gone the sane group way, you know, and conceded the election and preserved the, the dignity and the sanctity of the presidency and all this, or he could have gone the, the crazy way, um, you know, with the Giuliani and the Bannon and the Millers, um, and he chose that way. And to me, if you're choosing between two Republican groups and you go the self-serving, egotistical, BS crazy way, that, that that makes him look like the narcissistic nutball that he is. Aaron, oh, we are just normal. about out of time. Do what? They, they have Team Normal and Team Crazy. Yeah, that was it. By their own verbiage. Team Normal, yeah. I couldn't remember what they were calling them. <laughs> We're just, we just about out of time. Aaron, thank you for being with us. Absolutely. I know you'll be back again. And please do give me more notice next time. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I'll send you an email. For all of us here at Lambda <laughs> Weekly, have a good week. Once she was a true love of mine. Tell her to wash it in yonder dry well.
FM in Dallas and Fort Worth, the voice of the people.